From the Financial Times in London, I'm William Wallace and this is FT News. This week, the former Chadian dictator Hissen Abre was convicted of ordering the executions and torture of thousands of his opponents during his eight-year rule in the 1980s. John Aglimby, our East Africa correspondent, is online from Nairobi to discuss the case. John, how was it that this trial took place in Senegal? Well, Habre fled there after he was deposed in 1990 and he was placed under house arrest a few years later. Also, Belgium tried to try him for a while. The UN got involved and after many years of delays, arguments back and forth, it eventually came to pass that Habre's main protector, the president of Senegal, left office. The new president, Macky Sall, he was willing to step up to the plate, particularly when he was delivered an ultimatum by the international community, said, try him quickly or hand him over to the Europeans. And it was at this stage that the African Union thought, ah, we've got a moment to put down a marker for African justice. And so they came forward with Macky Sall, the Senegalese president, and the victims. And between them, they created a set of circumstances where Habre would be tried under Senegalese law, but also under international law in an international court. And it seemed to please everyone, apart from the defendant, who described it as a politically motivated concoction. Do you think this could provide an important precedent for justice on the continent, this special tribunal they created? I don't think it's a matter of could. I think it certainly has. And if one looks at the reaction to it, it's generally very, very positive. People feel that the African Union, for the first time, has organised Africans delivering justice for Africans in Africa. And there is a lot of hope that perhaps this could be repeated somewhere else. Yes, the circumstances were very extraordinary. Indeed, the trial was called the Extraordinary African Chambers. But people are looking at places like South Sudan, where there's been an awful lot of fighting, a lot of of alleged crimes against humanity, atrocities committed. Perhaps it could be repeated there, with the proceedings taking place in a nearby country. Obviously, given the animosity that's developed between the African Union and member states and the International Criminal Court in The Hague, the AU, its credibility on justice issues has taken something of a knock. Does this show African states finally getting more serious about pursuing crimes against humanity in their midst? Well, I think it's slightly horses for courses. And one has to remember that a lot of the signatories to the ICC amongst African states are clearly ignoring its dictates. For example, Hassan al-Bashir, the president of Sudan, when he went to South Africa last year, a South African court said he should not be allowed to leave, but the government let him leave. So there are all sorts of ways to look at it. Different people say different things, but certainly I think this is an opportunity for the African Union, who has been very critical of the ICC, to try and look to do something more positive for Africans and delivering justice. Perhaps a system of justice that was closer to home might provide a way of both relieving some of the excessive workload that the International Criminal Court has taken on, but also possibly diffusing some of that animosity or at least reconciling the often conflicting demands of international law, regional politics and national sovereignty. Yes, I think that's a very valid point. And one has to remember that many of these African countries signed up to the ICC when their own legal systems were really pretty poor. And certainly there have been legal reforms taking place in many African countries. Things have improved. And so therefore, I think there certainly is more room for African countries to stage credible prosecutions and trials 
closer to home. It doesn't mean that every country will be able to do it anytime soon, but that ICC is coming under tremendous criticism across the continent for the way it's messed up many cases, most notably the recent one in Kenya, with the Deputy President William Ruto being effectively having charges dropped against him. And so I think many people would like to see an effective ICC. I mean, Kenya's recently said it's not going to withdraw in a hurry, but it wants to see the ICC reformed. So if, as a result of this case in Senegal, we can see a more effective ICC, more effective justice in Africa, then I think everyone will describe it as a win-win situation. John, can you explain to us, though, why this court was more effective in producing a conviction compared to some of the recent ICC cases? This court in Senegal was more effective because the victims were very much involved in the procedures for the court, setting it up. Even though there was an awful lot of intimidation against them, they held sway, they refused to be intimidated, and that was an incredibly important factor. So they were helping guide the prosecution at the same time as the prosecution guiding them, and everyone knew who was involved, who the bad guy was, who was on trial, and what he had done. Whereas in other cases, particularly going back to the Kenyan one, there was an awful lot of grey. Had he really done this? Had she really done that? There was an awful lot of witness intimidation, particularly on the prosecution side. Whereas in Senegal, all the witnesses were really keen to give evidence. One has to remember that Hasbre had been out of power for several decades, unlike in other cases where people were either still in power or had only stepped down very recently. So it was much easier for the special court in Senegal to deliver justice because so many more people involved were on the same page, whereas in the ICC cases, we're seeing a lot more dispute, argument, and people taking sides in a way that we haven't seen in Senegal. Is there any reason to think that future cases will come off better following this precedent in Senegal? One would like to think so, but the circumstances in every case will be very different. For example, one of the more recent ones that's going on at the moment, indeed at the ICC, is about Côte d'Ivoire and Laurent Bagbo. He's on trial. His wife is facing charges as well. Could that be tried in West Africa? Probably, but it'd be a lot more contentious. Bagbo is still very much a player in the region. So it's going to be difficult. I think one cannot ignore the fact there was a significant period of time between the Habre atrocities and the trial going on. And That is where the ICC cannot be involved because the ICC's mandate only pertains to cases that occurred after July 2002. So anything older than that, it won't be able to get involved in. But let's see. I mean, this very much has set down a precedent. Many people are looking at it and one can only hope for the best. Thanks, John. That's a very positive note to end on. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., 
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.